am? Who I am? Or who am I? Who am I is a question for the ages. That's one we're all searching for to find out who I am, who's in there, who wants to come out and go, hey, I'm hungry. Who I am is too deep and, and perf almost, you gotta go in deep and pull out the thing, like with that movie where the thing came out of the stomach and ate up the people on spaceship. May they rest in peace. My name is Ben Sobo. Good day to you. I am David Poulton from England. You are listening to Michael Tobin on the Lookout Guy podcast. Do you know, friends, the greatest priest we can ever have is the one who has prayed for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, whose name is Jesus. Our high priest, forever. Well, praise Jesus. Thank you for joining me. I am Michael Tobin, your lookout guy on the podcast, Lookout Guy. Heard everywhere where podcasts are available. Too numerous for me to mention. But mainly on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Spreaker Podcast. That was the voice of Pastor D.B. Poulton of the West Midlands, United Kingdom, uh, otherwise known as David Poulton. He is 89 years old and the father of a great friend of mine, Paul Poulton and his wife, Jeannie Poulton. You know, a lot of us like to uh, talk about people we know, celebrities, politicians, movie stars, and whatnot, and Pastor D.B. Poulton and Paul and Jeannie, they know a lot of people, and you most likely know a lot of people, I've met some people, but guess who we all know, we all know Jesus, and that's what we're talking about on The Lookout Guy, okay, so... I have a very awesome lineup of some music from Pastor D.B. Poulton, Paul and Jeannie Poulton. You can look them up all on Spotify. If you go to Spotify, look up David Poulton and look up the Paul Poulton Project. You can start from there. Poulton is P-O-U-L-T-O-N. Pastor David Poulton has a new album called He'll Never Leave You. And I'm going to start out with Keep Me Singing from that album. And then Over and Over. And finally, You and I, Lord. All three from the album. Seven anointed songs from the album He'll Never Leave You. Also following up, I'm going to have some music from Paul and Jeannie Poulton. They're a, they, they have a, a, a rich musical background going back to the Jesus movement, what we refer to the Jesus movement, from the 1960s on into the 1980s. 
uh, much of it was uh, uh, praise and worship music. In the United Kingdom, they know quite a few of, of, of the well-known uh, artists like Randy Stonehill, uh, Phil Keggy, and, and Keith Green, and, and quite a few others. Um, so that's Paul Poulton. He worked along with them in the United Kingdom. And it, and it wasn't just until about a year ago that I learned that the United Kingdom was actually part of the Jesus movement also. Um, and then Jeannie Poulton, Paul's wife, she was a, a, a member of a Christian group called the Reapers. So they had, you know, they all, all three of them are, and you know the time that we're going through right now with this COVID uh, pandemic going on, they all live in the same home. And from their home in the United Kingdom, they have been a blessing for over a year now doing uh, video streams, live streams, Bible studies, people from all over the world joining in on Sundays and believe you me that something like this was a really uh, genuine godsend and something that without a doubt the Lord put on their hearts to do and I, I just shudder to think it, it's even life saving and what I mean by life saving is that we have to continuously be in the Word of God and in communication with God. And as Pastor D.B. Poulton mentioned, that Jesus is our High Priest. So I want to tell you a little bit about Jesus being the High Priest with Melchizedek as an example. Melchizedek was from a land called Salem. Melchizedek was the king and the priest of the Most High God. You have to follow me quickly. In Psalm 76, verse 1 and 2, God's name is great in Israel is the theme of this, this section. Starting at verse 1, to the chief musician on Naginoth, a psalm or song of Asaph. In Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also in his tabernacle and in his dwelling place in Zion. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of the strength out of Zion. Roll thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. 
and on into Hebrews chapter 7 verses 1 through 10 it begins for this Melchizedek king of Salem priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of the righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils, and verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I may say so, Levi also who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Jesus going on is the priest like Melchizedek so continuing in verse 11 if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood for under it the people received the law what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron for the priesthood being changed there is made of necessity a change also of the law for he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. And finally, the first mention of Melchizedek in verse 17, chapter 14. And the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham after his return from the slaughter of Chedarlamor, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shavet, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek king of Salem brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies to thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, the priest and king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God and King of Salem. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet. 
and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham, Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. Now what I want to clarify is when you hear the order of Melchizedek, that term, we think that there's something mysterious about the order of Melchizedek. Well, there's no mystery at all because Melchizedek and Abraham were way before the law. And here we see mankind operating in a manner of the heart without a law to abide by the order from earliest to latest is abraham then isaac then jacob and then moses and even joseph was a son of the latest major figure before quote the law and joseph famously said to potiphar's wife who tried to seduce him he said how can i sin against my master and against my god so people like to quote a lot of things in the Bible, but what I want to clarify, because after 30 plus years of following the Lord consistently, I'm finally, I finally researched what is, what is this order of Melchizedek. Simply, if you read on in uh, Hebrews chapter 7 beginning at 1, first half at least of that chapter, You'll you'll find that the order of Melchizedek simply means that Melchizedek was not of any special priestly lineage that hadn't even arrived yet. It came after Moses. The tribe of Levi is the priest tribe. So similarly to Melchizedek, who was an earthly priest and an earthly king, Jesus is our heavenly king and our heavenly priest, but similar to, or in the order of Melchizedek, similar to, Jesus didn't even come from the tribe of Levi. You would think that people, uh, a lot of skeptics, atheists or agnostics, they like to say, well, people, a bunch of people got together and wrote the Bible and they all said the perfect things. Well, you would think that if that was so, that they the quote writers of the Bible would have Jesus coming from the tribe of Levi, wouldn't you think? Because he's a priest. Well, that's not how it happened. He, Jesus was God who came to earth as man to save us from our sins. And you know the rest of the story. He was crucified. He went into hell and stole the king, stole the keys of 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 death from Satan. After three days, he came back, and on the cross, he even said, "It is finished." So he, Jesus, was the payment for our sins. So you would think that he would come from the tribe of Levi, but he came from the lowliest tribe of. Of of them all, of all 12 tribes, he came from Judah. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the Bible even says, what good could, could, could come out of Bethlehem? Jesus came out of Bethlehem. He didn't even come out of a so-called reputable place. So with the similitude of Melchizedek, or 
as in the order of Melchizedek, Jesus also came from a lineage that was not related to any sophisticated or, or distinguished lineage. He came from a lowly tribe of Judah. So that is what the order of Melchizedek means. So now you know it. So I just had to get it, get that off my chest. After 30 years of uh, consistently following the Lord, I finally set to uh, to learn about who was actually Melchizedek, what the order of Melchizedek means. So for the record, I got that out. And I want you to be blessed with the music that I am about to play for you. And I want you to go to Spotify and look up Paul Poulton, look up David Poulton, and you will be blessed and you'll be able to to hear uh, the rest of their music that they have uh, for you to listen to. God bless you and enjoy. So stay tuned for uh, following songs from Pastor David Poulton for the music of Paul and Jeannie Poulton from their record titled Heaven, which they both perform on. Three of their songs called Grand Time, Midnight in Harlem, and Say a Little Prayer. And following the music of Paul and Jeannie Poulton, I'm going to bless you and bless me. This whole thing is just such a blessing. You want to download this and listen to this on your own time. Um, I'm going to have a message from Pastor D.B. Poulton titled, Who Will Go? And you're going to be blessed by that also. You're going to be so blessed. I mean, just going through all these songs and, and listening to messages of Pastor D.B. Poulton, it, it's, it's just such a blessing. So thank you again for joining me. And if you need prayer before getting into the show, if you want prayer 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, call the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Their number is 1-888-388-2683. That's 1-888-388-2683. Keep me singing, keep me praising, keep me following you. Keep me singing, keep me praising, keep me following you, following you, following you, following you, following you, following you, following you. Keep me praising, keep me praising, keep me following. 
You are listening to Michael Tobin on the Lookout Guy podcast. to Michael Tobin on the Lookout Guy podcast. The best podcaster in the podcasting world, without a doubt. I am Paul Poulton and this is Jeannie. Good day.
to Michael Tobin on the Lookout Guy podcast. The most wholesome podcaster in the known universe. Oh, that's true. And I'm Jeannie. We are turning to the chapter that was read to us in Isaiah chapter 6. My text is found in the 8th verse. And it's the latter part of the verse that really, but I'll read the verse. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Now, I'm sure that as we reflect upon that chapter, we will see the condition of the nation that Isaiah was sent to of the Lord. Isaiah had summed them up pretty well and he had identified himself with it. He was dwelling amongst the people of unclean lips, an unclean people, a people who supposedly were the people of God and yet they were so vile and so unclean. And so God said, well, who's going to, who am I going to send to speak to them? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I send me. But as we go through the book of Isaiah, we will see that uh, there is another servant of the Lord that is mentioned, a greater servant than Isaiah. And there is a greater need than just the need of the Israelite people. And as we go through the book of Isaiah, we'll find that God is speaking about another servant who is coming into the world. Another servant who is going to speak to a greater number of people. One in whom the Gentiles will trust. One that will go beyond the need of the Israelites. But will go to the need of the whole world. And as we go through the book of Isaiah, we will find uh, that there is much brought out that reminds us of the servant to come. And that servant would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, what we have here in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, I believe, is a little enactment of something that had taken place in the eternal past ages, if we can describe eternity like that. But way back there, before the world began, before man was created, before ever man was uh, brought into being... There God sat in council. We read of it in the New Testament under the heading of the predetermined council of God. And as they sat there together in council, God looking down in the corridor that was to unfold with the beginning of time, 
seeing the fall of man, seeing the desperate state of man, seeing the great need of mankind, and God in that predetermined council said, well, who will go for us? Whom shall I send to meet the need of this people, this world, this fallen creation? And we can hear the one who was to come standing as Isaiah did, saying, Here am I, send me. And I want us to pick up on that, if we can, this morning. Indeed, I want to begin what I might call a, a mini-series. And I want us to think on the Lord Jesus Christ, in his willingness, here am I, send me. And I want us to take up a theme of this aspect, that he was willing to come, that he was willing to fight, he was willing to die, he was willing to descend, he was willing to conquer, and he was willing to come again. Now, I shan't be able to deal with all that this morning, but I trust I will be able to deal with some of it. And I shall continue next week and in the Sunday mornings that are allotted to me until the sequence is finished, until the miniseries is done with. He was willing to come. As Isaiah was willing to go to the nation, so the Lord was willing to come into this world, knowing what the world was, as Isaiah knew what the nation was, knew the people he was to go to, knew how they would react. So the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to come into this world, knowing all it contained. And he was willing to come into an hostile environment. The Lord Jesus Christ was willing to come into this world which was an hostile environment to him, to his whole nature, to his whole being, to his whole personality. He was willing to leave heaven's glory and come into an hostile environment. He was willing to leave that place of, of pleasantness, that place of joy, that place that reverberated with the praises and thanksgiving extended to him by all the angelic creation of whatever kind they were. They all honored him. They all looked to him. They all extolled him as part of the Godhead. He was willing to leave all that and come into a hostile environment. Indeed, the psalmist picks it up in the second psalm. And he says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces. And here we see a picture of the hostility that would meet the Lord Jesus Christ as he came into this world. Against the Lord and his anointed, we will plot and we will, we will wreak our counsel against him. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to face. He was willing to come in to a very hostile environment, leaving one where he was 
always looked upon with favor, always looked upon with honor, always looked upon in, in, in a way that praise naturally flowed from those that beheld him. And he's willing to leave it and to come into quite a different scene, one that would not be pleasant for him to enter into. But when God said, who can I send? And who will go for us? He said, here am I. Send me. And we are reminded in the New Testament that Paul the Apostle picking it up said, in the fullness of times, God sent his son. And he picks it up. And here we see the willingness of Jesus to enter into this world, this hostile environment. He came from light, brilliant, brilliant light, so that when John uh, uh, had a glimpse of it, and when Isaiah had a glimpse of it, and when Paul had a glimpse of it on the road to Damascus, they all fell down, such brilliant light, light that we cannot imagine, light that is brighter than the noonday sun, brilliance. He left all that and came into a dark world came into darkness. Darkness, not of a natural darkness, though we have day and night, but a darkness that was deeper than that. And in John three nineteen, we have the words recorded that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And he who was light left that atmosphere of light and glory and came into a world that was dark and hostile environment to him for he was light yet he came into darkness he came from that splendor of glory that place of honor and he came into this world and knew that the hostile environment would be so incensed that it would bring shame and reproach to him. Not honor and not glory. And as Isaiah depicts it in Isaiah 53, we see that he wasn't welcome. We see that he was treated most shamefully. Isaiah saw it and prophesied it. And so much of we see of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Isaiah had a very good insight to the hostility that would be raged against him who said, Here am I, send me. Instead of being honored, they cast into his teeth a reproach. We be not born of fornication, they said to him on one occasion. What a shameful thing to say to him. Because he was born miraculously of the virgin birth. Joseph and Mary were his earthly parents. But those who knew most, and those who'd heard best, knew the circumstances of his birth. Knew that Joseph had, on one occasion, sought to put Mary aside. And they knew, and they said, we've been unborn of fornication. What a shame. 
wonderful thing to be said to the Lord of all glory who had come in to this world to help us, to minister to us because we needed it. He came from purity, that place of holiness where there was no sin, where all was good, and pure and honest. From purity into a em- world, an environment of vileness and corruption. Wherever he looked, wherever he went, vileness and corruption was there. He came from that place that was spotless and pure. From that place of sinlessness into a world that was full of sin. Hostile environment to him. Hostile. And yet he willingly came into all of that and much more. And I suppose there are others who would be able to describe it in more explicit terms than that I am doing this morning. But it would seem that everything and every one was against him. Isaiah sums it up and said he was despised and rejected of men. He came unto his own and his own received him not. It was seen that everyone was hostile towards him. He was in an hostile world. No one welcomed Jesus. Herod tried to get rid of him as soon as he breathed his first breath of life when he had all the children killed. He knew what hostility was from his earliest days on earth. Acts 4, 26, 28, after the disciples had been beaten for their faith and, and proclamation of the name of Jesus and ministry in the power of the Spirit, and they had gone back to their own and Their own was gathered in that prayer room and they began to call upon God. And they expressed these words. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. They thought they... We're having their way, but really it was God's way of benefiting us. In their hostility, God was working out his love. God was working out his plan. And although there was hostility arrayed against the Lord Jesus Christ, the almighty sovereign hand of God was weaving the plan that had been determined for our salvation. That's why Jesus was willing to come into a hostile world, because through him, would be effected the salvation of lost mankind. And they were gathered together. All the powers that could be were arrayed against him. Pilate and Herod. Yes, but not only them. Powers of evil. Satan himself. Wherever he went, he met the attacks of the enemy. Satan and evil manifestations. Religion was against him. They didn't want him. No, 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 the high priest didn't want him. No one seemed to want him at all. 
They were all taking counsel against him. How can we get rid of this man? How can we get rid of him? And the only way they could think of was by crucifying him. But that didn't get rid of him, as you and I know. Or he rose again on the third day, but hostile, hostile. And just imagine this is the Lord of all glory. This is the creator of all things. The creator of the world, the stars, the universe, and the creator of each of us and all of us. But it was by him that all things were made. And yet, hostile to him. Everything was against him. The great might of Rome was against him. Yet in all of this, and into all this, he willingly came. Here am I. Send me. Knowing how he would be received. Knowing how he would be treated. He willingly came. Into every kind of evil imaginable came Jesus. Into every kind of disease possible he came. Praise God he wasn't touched by it. Praise God he delivered those who were touched by it. But he was flesh. He was flesh. That which eat your flesh could eat his. That which contaminated your body could have contaminated his. But he came in to that kind of environment into every kind of physical and environmental and spiritual pollution, the Lord of glory came willingly. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous? I think that's great. He willingly came into such hostility. Has it changed? Do they still rage and take counsel against him? Nothing's changed, has it? The world is still an hostile place where Jesus is concerned. If you want to know how hostile it is, just go out and try to tell someone about Jesus. If you want to know how people will react, just go out and tell them they need the salvation that Jesus Christ alone can bring the world is still a hostile place it was hostile to Jesus and it's hostile to you and to me it is still a hostile place it is hostile to the spirit of Jesus they can no longer perpetrate any vileness to his, his body they can no longer perpetrate anything to his being, for he is no longer with them in that sense. But his spiritual body, you and I, oh, how hostile is the world to his body, the church. Still in hostile place. Still the councils 
are taking place, how can we get rid of this Christianity? How can we get rid of these Christians? Let's bring all the religions together. Let them get lost in this. They still want to get rid of the Christ, his body. It's a hostile environment. Don't you think the world is going to get better for you? Don't you think because you're a Christian everything is rosy now? Let me tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ said that we too would find it hostile to us if we followed him. He said, I send you a sheep among wolves. What do wolves do to sheep? What do they do? What do they do? Come on, Isaac, what do they do? They tear them to pieces, don't they? No wonder we get bruised. No wonder we get bitten. Jesus said, I'm sending you a sheep among wolves. Oh, he knew what it was like. He had been treated. And he says, they have hated me. They will hate you. They have persecuted me. They will persecute you. Oh, yes, I've died, I've risen, but the world hasn't changed yet. It's still hostile. The environment one day is going to change. He is going to come, hallelujah. And things will change, but at the moment, the world is a hostile place. For Christ and any who would have anything to do with him. He tells him in Matthew 10, verse 22, a lovely thing to be told. You will be hated of all men for my name's sake. And yet we want people to like us, don't we? Let's be honest. Nobody likes to be hated. Nobody likes to be rejected. Nobody likes to be put down or looked with, with disdain. But Jesus said, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. That's something to make us keen to be a Christian. Isn't it? That's a good advertisement for someone to be a Christian. Become a Christian and be hated by everybody. <laughs> well, not everybody, because other Christians will love you. And best of all, Jesus is with us. You see, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. All that was hostile, I'm, I'm going to send the comforter. You're not going to be on your own. You're not going to be orphans. And the world will not have its way. It hasn't had its way with me. It won't have its way with you. It's hostile to you. But hey, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. It's hostile. So don't be surprised when you go to your classroom. Don't be surprised when you go to your office. Don't be surprised when you go to your workbench or wherever it is that you find employment. Don't be surprised that things will go against you. Don't be surprised. Think it not strange, James says, concerning the fiery trial that shall come upon you. You will be hated of all men for my name's sake. But listen what he says in Matthew 5.11. But blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. 
Did you get that? Blessed. Happy. Happy. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Now, if we get a sense of what Jesus is saying here, we will see it in the disciples, who after they've been beaten for their witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, who when they've been put into prison, they went back to their home and, they, and, and to their company and they rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And were they blessed? I tell you, they were blessed. I don't know whether they wore any socks, but they were blessed till the socks came out. I don't... Amen. They were blessed. And Jesus said, Blessed are you when men shall revile you, and persecute you, hate you, do all manner of evil against you, falsely, for my sake. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? You see, we have to be as willing as he was willing to go into the hostile world knowing all the hostility that is there arrayed against us. It's all right in a prayer meeting. It's nice, we know everybody. And everybody say, have you had a good day? And we feel the thrill and the bless, the Spirit of God coming among us, and we are blessed indeed, and we are. But when we're out there, it's different. We're all right here this morning, we're all believers. It's great. Go out into the open air. Go out onto the streets. Go out onto the doors and knock and try to tell someone and see the reaction. It's quite different. But we have to be willing to go. Jesus says, as my Father sent me, so send I you. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? And here is the, the challenge to us. The challenge that came to Isaiah, the challenge that first came in the Godhead itself. Who will go? Here am I. Send me. Isaiah in his day, knowing the people, knowing the reaction he would get. And there are some think that he was torn asunder, sawed to pieces. Some believe that. Whatever the end, he was prepared to go into the hostility. And he said, here am I. Send me. Now here we are, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world still needs Jesus. The world is still lost. The world still needs saving. And Jesus is saying to us, who will go? And each of us, in our own individual way, have to say, voluntarily and quite willingly, here am I. Send me. Might be to a neighbor. Might be to a workman who works with you. It may be, yes, to other lands. And all of that comes into it. But each of us have to be willing to go. He was willing to come into a hostile environment. Are we willing to go? May the Lord help us to be as willing as he was willing. 
I was hoping to go on to the next. He was willing to fight, but I'm, I'm not going to begin because it would only destroy the, the aspect of it, not being able to complete it. So I'll leave that till next. All right? Praise God. But think on it. All he left. Will he? And you think you've left something? You think you've given up something? You think you've renounced things for Jesus? I want to tell you, when we stand alongside him, we've given up nothing. We've renounced nothing as we stand alongside him. May God help us to be willing to go into the hostile environment. And I've got some good news for you. <laughs> it's not going to get better. <laughs> it's going to get worse. There are some telling you it's going to get better, but I'm telling you that the Bible says it will wax worse and worse. Not going to get better. Amen? Until he comes. And praise God. We shall end on that. You will be willing to come again. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining me again. I'm Michael Tobin, your lookout guy. You are listening to the podcast lookout guy and as always for the past year year and a couple of months i have been offering prayer 24 hours a day seven days a week from where the billy graham evangelistic association ever since this pandemic has begun they have received hundreds of thousands of calls and thousands of salvations and healings you want to call it we all need prayer and i myself have even called it so if you would like to call for prayer call 1-888-388-2683 that number again for prayer 1-888-388-2683 please sir i want some more what? 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 Ask for more?